Thank you, Brother Aaron, for leading us in these good songs, and Brother David and his welcome and his prayer. Just so good to be here. Such a joy. Uh, really look forward to this for the last several weeks for the opportunity to come and to be with the good church here at Midway. Some folks at Double Springs think I'm in Walker County. And uh, there's a midway down there below Jasper, and they think that's where I'm at. So I guess I could just take off, and they wouldn't know. <laughs> but it's so good to so good to be with you today. Thank you for the way you've joined in with Aaron and leading us in these songs, and Cecil led us in these songs, and uh, singing. It's been just wonderful this morning. Our lesson for this hour, I said kind of in three words. Uh, the first lesson to kind of deal with appreciation, appreciation for the Word of God. Uh, this lesson, realization, to make us realize maybe just a little bit better, you know, why we're here and where we're going and how long we're going to be here. And then the next hour will be more toward examination as we kind of take a look within. As we travel down life's road, we, we just sung the song Paradise Valley that says, as I travel through life with its trouble and strife. There's a song that we've sung you probably don't remember the first time you ever heard it. Jesus, hold my hand. You remember that song? As I travel through this pilgrim land. There's an old song. It's very slow. And it's entitled, I'm a stranger, I'm a pilgrim. There's another song. And it's slow too. And I like old, old, old slow songs sometimes. And uh, that song is, What Shall I Leave Behind? And all these songs imply that we are traveling through this world. Genesis 23, verse 4, Abraham was bearing his sweet wife, Sarah. And he said, I am a stranger and I am a pilgrim. Someone once said that life is kind of like a roll of toilet paper. The faster it rolls, the closer you get to the end. And I think that's true. I'll be 66 in two months in March, and it seems like I'm having two birthdays a year now. In Genesis 29 and verse 20, Jacob had worked seven years for Rachel. And the Bible says, he said it seemed like a few days. And oh, how quickly it seems that the years are passing. I remember when I was a boy in Lardell County uh, chopping cotton. Some of you probably had a whole handle in your hand before and a cotton fell. Uh, I married a girl from Missouri. And I'm telling you, I heard about people. I heard my dad tell about hitchhiking from Waterloo, Alabama to Carothersville, Missouri to pick cotton, age 13. His dad had gotten killed when he was six years old, my granddaddy. And a 13-year-old boy going to Missouri. Now, those are long roads out there. Waterloo, we didn't have them roads, you had a little bit of hope, you know, you get to the short roads eventually. My dad, uh, he, he used psychology. He never started off in the short roads. You chopped the long roads first, and you aimed and looked forward to the short roads. There was some motivation to that of getting in the short roads. Well, I know my life is in the short roads now. and uh, But back then, oh, it seemed like a summer would last for three years. We would chop cotton usually to around the 4th of July. I've chopped cotton when you'd see a cotton bloom. I always thought we were doing that a little bit too long. Surely we could have quit a little bit sooner. Uh, but 
I'm telling you, we're traveling through this world at a quite rapid pace. Hebrews 12, verse 10 said, and verse 11, that we had our fathers a few days. I lost my father. In fact, it was seven years ago, last week, of a heart attack. And uh, I realized even more how brief my time was with my father. Job said in Job 14, man that's born a woman is a few days full of trouble. He cometh forth as a flower and is cut down. He fleeth as a shadow and continueth not. Look at all the emphasis there unto our short duration in this world. The psalmist said in Psalm 19, verse 10, the days of our years are threescore and ten. By reason of strength, they be fourscore years. Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, and we're soon cut off, and we fly away. Paul would use the word that we would refer to as a tent. You know, a tent's a temporary thing. I see folks pop up a little old tent somewhere. Well, I know they're not going to stay there too long. And Paul said, for our earthly house of this tabernacle or this tent, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1. In Hebrews 11 and verse 13, it says, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I hope that you recognize that because that's so true of you. In the book of 1 Peter, Peter in chapter 1 and verse 1, he would refer to strangers. In chapter 1 and verse 17, he referred to sojourners. And in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11, he referred to us as pilgrims. So I think you get the question. But there is a chapter in God's word that really, really helps me as I think about traveling down life's road. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We will notice four brief points. This book was written to Paul's son in the faith, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2. Timothy is referred to as Paul's son in the faith. Now, the points of this chapter had to have great bearing on Timothy's life. But you and I, this letter has been preserved by God for us. And it ought to have the same impact in our lives that it had in the life of Timothy. And I want to notice with you the four following thoughts. As I travel down life's road, I need to be busy doing the Lord's work. As I travel down life's road, number two, I need to be ready to leave this world at any moment. And number three, as I travel down life's road, I need to let the Lord heal the wounds of life. And number four, as I travel down life's road, I need to be urgent in matters of most importance. Okay, let's notice those four things together. Number one, as I travel down life's road, and remember, we're traveling, we're traveling through, and we're going through at a quite rapid pace. I need to be busy doing the Lord's work. When you think about our Lord, when he graced this earth, I mean, he was about his father's business, as the Bible says in Luke 2 and verse 49. In John 4, verse 34, he said, my very meat and my drink is to do that. He said in John 5 and verse 30, I seek not mine own, but his. John 6, 38, I came down from heaven to do his, not mine. 
John 8, 29, I do always those things which please my Father. John 17, 4, uh, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work thou hast given me to do. Peter in his sermon to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 kind of summed up the Lord's life a little bit. And he said, Jesus went about doing good. Now you and I are to walk as he walked, 1 John 2 verse 6. We need to be about the Lord's work as we travel down life's road. We need to be doing the right things. Many people are doing the wrong things. Micah, in Micah chapter 2 verse 1, he describes some who devise wickedness in the night, and when it's day, they put it into practice. Isn't that sad? In chapter 7 and verse 2, he said, they do evil with both hands. I mean, they're so diligent about doing wrong things, they, they do both hands at it together, same time. We need to be so different from that. We need to be doing the right things. I think about that virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. Verse 12 says, she will do her husband good all her days. And you and I, we need to be doing good all of our days. And at the heart of that, is doing the Lord's work. You know, the Bible often talks about things that the early church did on a daily basis. Acts 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord adds to the church daily, such as were being saved. Acts 5, 42. And daily in the temple, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus. Acts 6, verse 1. There was a daily benevolent problem. Acts 16, verse 5, that churches were strengthened daily and increased in faith daily. Acts 17, verse 11, the Berean searched the scriptures daily. And there's just lots of emphasis in the Bible that we're to be doing things on a daily basis. To look for opportunities as we travel down life's road to do what the Lord would want us to do. I read about a little boy one time that was sitting on the porch with his mother. He was about four years old, just about big enough to not want sitting in your lap anymore, but he was in his mom's lap. And their neighbor was an elderly gentleman who had buried his wife that day. And he was sitting on the porch and he was sobbing. Family had gone home, all his friends had gone. Just like a lot of times we leave people pretty quick at the cemetery almost, but grief doesn't end there. And the old gentleman is sobbing. The little boy climbs down out of his mother's lap and goes across the yard and goes over there and climbs up in the old gentleman's lap. Comes back in a bit. His mom said, son, what did you say to him? He said, mama, I didn't say anything. I just helped him cry. There'll be times when we'll just have to help somebody cry maybe. But the Lord's work. Paul in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 10, he said that Timothy worketh the work of the Lord. And now he's writing to him and he's telling him, be busy doing the Lord's work. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, our labor in the Lord is not in vain. But oh, you remember that verse about Epaphroditus in Philippians 2, 30, for the work of the Lord, he was nigh unto death. Here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
Paul charges Timothy. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. He wants Timothy to know that he's in God's presence. God sees all. <clears throat> there is a judgment day coming that we sing about. The dead living, the living and the dead, those that are deceased and those that are alive at the return of Christ, all will be judged when the Lord appears. Matthew 25, 31 talks about that great appearance of the Lord when he comes with his mighty angels. And then he talks about the kingdom and his kingdom. You think about the kingdom present and the kingdom heavenly, that heavenly kingdom. And so Timothy is kind of prefaced by this. And then Paul says to him, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. There's work to be done, Timothy. And he says, you know, others, they might not do it, but that doesn't excuse you. He says, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and turn away their ears from the truth and be turned into fables, but you. There's work for you to do, Timothy. You watch in all things. You endure afflictions. You do the work of an evangelist. You make full proof or you fulfill your ministry. It was kind of that way in, in chapter 3. In chapter 3 and verse 7, Paul refers to some that are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In verse 12, he said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but continue thou. That doesn't excuse you, Timothy. You continue. And here in chapter 5, when he says others might not do the work of the Lord, but that doesn't excuse you. You recognize that you must watch, you must endure, you must do the work of evangelists, and you must make full proof or you must fulfill your ministry. Now let's think about you and think about me. Acts chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 20, the kingdom was likened unto a vineyard, a vineyard of workers. We are in the Lord's kingdom to work. Not just with intentions and plans, but action. Work. Be busy for the Lord. Mark 14 and verse 8. You remember Jesus commended this lady and said of her that she had done what she could. Acts 3 verse 6. You remember Peter and John. Peter speaking says silver and gold. We don't have that. But such as I have, he said, give I unto you. What a beautiful spirit. In Romans chapter 1, verse 15, Paul said, as much as in me is. And that's, that's got to be your attitude and my attitude. What we can, what we have, with all that's within us. Don't run from the Lord's work like Jonah did. Don't make excuses like Moses did. But be like Isaiah when he said, here am I, send me. You remember the parable of the talents in Matthew 25? That parable teaches us that we're going to give an account to the Lord, not just for what we do, but for what we could be doing. Is there a big difference between what I'm doing and what I could be doing? Let's be busy doing the Lord's work.
An old farmer said one time, you know, when I get up in the morning, I don't have to look for something to do. He said, it's just all around me. And there's so much to be done. There's so much good to be done. Just little things sometimes that often are not being done that we can do. It's been said and so true. There are six steps to sowing. Cleghorns especially know how I love to garden. I'm probably the only man in Double Springs that puts out 350 tomato plants and plants 30 rows of sweet corn and uh, five or six rows of okra and 300 squash hills and 300 cucumber hills. And, uh, but I love to do that. But there are six steps to sowing. Plowing hope, sowing faith, and work in diligence, guard in vigilance, wait in patience, and reap in joy. We like that last step, reaping in joy. Man, the first tomato sandwiches and ambrosia or bodacious or incredible corn on the cob, that's the reaping part. But there are some other steps. You can't have the reaping part without the other steps. And in our work for the Lord, we got to plow and hope and so in faith. And then we got to be willing to work with diligence and guard against the devil and vigilance. We have to wait. We're waiting for the Lord's return. We wait for patiently for people to obey the gospel, for people to come home, for our prayers to be answered. But all oh, that reaping is going to be good one of these days. Let me encourage you <coughs> to the elders of this good church be available. Let them know that you are available to do good. I don't know if any of you would, probably some of you would though, would know Brother Harvey Starling. Harvey Starling's a missionary, been in Romania, most, a lot of his work, still living, still preaching in his upper 80s, I think. But Brother Starling, if you ever heard him preach, I never heard him preach, except when he went down the aisle, he'd always say this, let's do all the good we can to as many as we can, as often as we can, for as long as we can, and not do any harm to anyone. Let's do good. Let's do what we can. Let's do our best. Let's do what Jesus commands. Churches will be happier when they're working. They're like a beehive. I've had bees for more than 30 years, and I love the food with honeybees, and I've kind of gotten disheartened uh, in fact, I've just about given, given all of my equipment and stuff away. I just kind of got disgusted because I couldn't keep them alive. But for more than 30 years, I've had bees. Bees love to work. And you don't get stung nearly as bad when you go in bees on a beautiful sunny day when they're working. Go in on a cloudy day, kind of like today or something, you know, and you can just, you're going to get stung to death almost. But I was a, growing up, chopping cotton, logging with mules in the log woods with my dad. My dad one time, he said, Lance, I just saw a sign at the sawmill. He thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting too, and I'm going to tell you about it. He said, you know, at the sawmill today, there was a big sign out in front of that mill. I said, well, Dad, what did the sign say? He said, the sign said, if you ain't got nothing to do but nothing, don't do it here. Well, you think about in the Lord's church, there's so much to be done. Lou Holtz said one time that he never saw a man drown in sweat. 
Think about that. The song, A Beautiful Life. You remember the first words of that song? Each day I'll do a golden deed. The old song, Lord, Send Me, that talks about there's much to do. There's work on every hand. We've sung the song, To the Work. Or the song, There's Room in the Kingdom for Workers. Or the song, The Longer I Serve Him, The Sweeter He Grows. Let's be busy doing the Lord's work. Number two, let's be ready to leave this world. Look what he says in verse six through eight. I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all those who've loved his appearing. Let's be ready to leave this world. I'm telling you, the hands on the clock can be stopped at any time. We know some of us, they must be stopped soon. But for any of you, friends, they could be stopped at any time. We must die sometime. We could die any time. It behooves us to be ready at all times. And Paul tells Timothy, actually here, you be ready to leave this world as you travel down life's road. Isaac said, I know not the day of my death, Genesis 27 and verse 2. James echoed the words of Proverbs 27 and verse 1, that we boast not because we know not what will be on the morrow. In Job 24 and verse 22, no man is sure of life. Paul said in Acts 21, 13, I am ready to die. Let's be ready at all times. You know, if you're ready to die, you're in the Lord. Nobody that's outside of the Lord is ready to die. Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. Revelation 14, verse 13. If you're ready to die, then you die in faith. Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith. If you're ready to die, you die righteous. Numbers 23, verse 10. Let me die the death of the righteous. If you're ready to die, the Lord is with you. Psalm 23, verse 4. I'll fear no evil, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, for the Lord is with me. But not only to be ready to leave this world through death, but you think about when the Lord comes back. And everybody that's gracious this earth will leave on the same day. And we must be ready for that. Matthew 24, verse 42 and 44, Jesus simply said, Be ye ready, for in such an hour that you think not, the Son of Man doth come. Friend, we have a God to glorify, a Savior to imitate, a soul to save, a body to mortify, virtue to acquire, heaven to seek, eternity on which to ponder, temptation to resist, the world to guard against, and perhaps death or the Lord's return every day. We need to be thinking about those things. But I ask you a sobering question. Is your name enrolled in the Lamb's Book of Life? Robert Taylor used to say, 
That is the royal register of the redeemed. And that is so true. Is your name enrolled in the Lamb's book of life? The people of the Lord, Hebrews 12, verse 23. The pure in heart, Revelation 21, verse 27. Those that are persistent in labors for the Lord, Philippians 4, verse 3. Those that persevere unto the end, Revelation 3, verse 5. Those are the ones whose names are enrolled in the Lamb's book of life. We've got to be ready to leave this world. I don't care how you've got it fixed. You know, I see people and, you know, they have their 401Ks and they have their IRAs and, and they have their retirement program and they have this and they have that. I don't care how you've got it fixed. You be ready to leave this world because you're going to leave this earth and leave it all. Number three, as I travel down life's road, I need to be busy doing the Lord's work. I need to be ready to leave this world at a moment's notice. And number three, I need to be content to let the Lord heal the wounds of life. There are a lot of things that happen to you, hurts, Sometimes they're intentional. Sometimes they're unintentional that people will hurt you. When Paul writes this letter, he mentions 17 in chapter 4, 17 individuals by name. You think about when he closed letters, I think about especially the book of Romans. Romans chapter 16 is full of names and full of so many lessons that we could learn Starting off with Phoebe. And Phoebe, four things about her. She was a servant. She was a sister. She was a saint. And she was a succorer. She was a helper, encourager. And all the way through almost all that chapter, just lessons from different people that Paul was saying, they sent salutations or greeting. I think about the book of Philippians as he refers in Philippians 4 to those that are in Caesar's household. What a lesson. Paul's in prison at Rome and he's converted people from Caesar's household. And you might think about the book of Colossians or the book of Philemon where Paul mentions people's name. But all oh, here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, there's lots of them. There's a lesson there. I saw a bulletin article the other day that talked about four names out of these 17. One was Alexander. He started out evil and finished evil. That's so sad. And then there's Demas. And Demas started out good and he finished poorly. There's John Mark. John Mark started out poorly and finished properly. And then there's Luke. Luke started out good he started well and he finished well. God allows U-turns, doesn't he? And aren't we thankful? Alexander could have made a U-turn. I hope he did. We have no record that he did. But when Paul in all these names, he talks about some hurts and disappointments. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world more. 
He said, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me much evil. He greatly withstood my preaching. He said, all they that are in Asia turned against me. But look what he said then in verses 17 and 18. But the Lord stood with me. And the Lord strengthened me. And the Lord will deliver me. Friend, people are going to hurt you. Like I said, sometimes intentionally. Maybe most of the time unintentionally. What are we going to do with the wounds of life? Friend, we must strive to love all people. Love our enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use us and persecute us. We must be anxious to forgive. We must be kind. We must practice the golden rule. And we must lay burdens down at the Lord's feet. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Psalm 55, verse 22. Here Paul, as he traveled down life's road, was content to let the Lord heal the wounds of life. I don't have the right or the wisdom to take vengeance into my own hands. Oh, there's times when you're tempted to do that, aren't they? Romans chapter 12, render to no man evil for evil. Vengeance for vengeance. God will take care of that, Paul said in Romans chapter 12. As we travel down life's road, let's let the Lord heal the wounds of life. Let's be people of prayer. Let's lean on God. Let's know that he'll help us, that he'll be there with us, and he will sustain us. But number four, not only as we travel down life's road, or do we to be busy doing the Lord's work, ready to leave this world on a moment's notice, content to let the Lord heal the wounds of life, but let's be urgent in areas of most importance and priorities. Notice if you will, verse nine, Paul says to Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly to me. Verse 13, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when you come, you bring it and the books and especially the parchments. And look at verse 21. Do thy diligence, Timothy, to come before winter. You know, there are some things that you just got to be urgent about getting done. These little ones, and there's so many of them here this morning, so thankful for them. I love to hear the cry of a baby in the assembly. They'll grow up so quickly. You can't say, well, I'll wait a few years. We'll get interested in the Lord's work. I'll start taking them to Bible school in a few years. Got to be urgent. My daddy, as I said a while ago, he may have owned 100 mules in his life. I don't know. Jill's got used to have four mules. Ah, there's nothing like a mule. 
always said a mule ought to be our national emblem instead of a bald eagle. I really found that out. I've still got a picture on my phone of a bald eagle sitting on the back of a dead dog on the side of the road. So I've lost a little bit of my respect for the bald eagle, and I'm telling you, mule's what made this country when you think about it. But my daddy, I promise you, he didn't buy three or four-year-old mules that were unbroken. You don't wait that long about breaking a mule and training a mule. You wait that long and it's probably not going to happen. I was preaching in a meeting over here at Hatton a few years ago. It was in April. Boy, it was raining about every day. Some of those farmers were really getting nervous. They said, if we don't get our corn planted by the last day of April, the banks won't finance our loan. There's something urgent at times that needs to be done and needs to be done now. Think about working with concrete. Man, you got to work. Get it the way you want it because it won't wait on you. The devil deceives us, gets us to delay our decision to thinking we got plenty of time. There are some things, friends, that are urgent. Because the devil is at work. A hundred years from this morning, there might be, I mean, there was a guy died the other day, there was 112 that you heard about. The oldest World War II vet, 112. So I'm, I say there won't be any of us here a hundred years from now, but there might be some of these very little ones. But what will matter a hundred years from this morning? I promise you, it won't matter what kind of car you drove. It won't matter what kind of house you live in. It won't matter what your bank account status was. It won't matter where you went on vacation. It won't matter what you had to eat today. I assume we got a good lunch. and I'm kind of getting ready for it. It won't matter. It won't matter bologna sandwich, potty meat sandwich, T-bone steak. But there are some things that will matter 100 years from right now. It'll matter whether we've obeyed the gospel or not. It'll matter whether we've been restored to our Lord or not if we've strayed from him. It'll matter whether we've trained our children or not. It'll matter whether we've lived like Jesus or not. It'll matter whether we've worked for the Lord or whether we've sought the loss or whether we've spoken words of kindness or whether we've righted our wrongs. Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. We're traveling. We're traveling through. We're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're sojourners. None of us has a lease on the morrow. I go to my mother's. She'll be 90 years old this year. She lives till November. I go to her usually on Fridays. I was there the day before yesterday. I had four places to go for her, to help her. Not many weeks ago, time flies, it may have been, it may have been a year ago now, there's a little old community called Gravelly Springs on the Waterloo Road. Going into that curve, a 16-year-old girl lost control of her car and hit head-on with a garbage truck before I got there. 
She lost her life immediately. None of us has a leash on the morrow. You may live to be a hundred, and if you want to, I hope you do. But friend, you might not be here tomorrow. Before this week is over, your funeral could have been had, and you could be in the Hayden rim. I preach a sermon sometimes entitled, I Died Last Night. And if you had died last night, what would it be like right now? We're traveling down life's road, and as we travel, I trust that all of us will be busy doing the Lord's work. Let's ever be ready to leave this world. You just stay ready, and that's all that matters. It don't matter then. You go to a better place. But don't be caught unready. Let's let the Lord heal the wounds of life. I'm telling you, it's the best way to live. Just let him take care of that. And let's be urgent in matters of most importance. You might be here this morning, not a Christian. Think about what's really important, and that's living for the Lord. Have you been obedient to the gospel of Christ? You've heard his word. Don't you believe it? Aren't you willing to turn from your sins? Aren't you willing before this group this morning to confess that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And allow Brother David to baptize you into Christ this morning? The meal can wait. We will sit anxiously for your obedience to the gospel. And just in moments, look what you could become, look what you'd receive. Forgiveness of sins, a child of God, part of his kingdom, his family. It might be this morning that there's a precious soul here that strayed back into the world. And you realize, oh, I'm telling you, I need to come home. The Lord will run to meet you as together we stand and as we sing.